Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. We have so much to talk about. Yes, it's been another crazy week. And again, this is why we created the Housing Wire Weekly Tracker, just to try to make sense of all the madness that happens in post-2020. It's weekly now, not uh, monthly. It really is. So we're recording this on Friday, March 3rd. And I think the biggest story this week has been mortgage rates. I mean, they went up. Sadly for our industry, they went up. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about why they are as high as they are and why they won't, you, in your opinion, they're not going to go higher, which fingers crossed, let's not go any higher. So let's start with that. So the article I wrote recently um, uh, talks about you know the difference between 1970s inflation and, and what we're dealing with right now. And I think there's so much confusion out there because the Fed talks a lot on their weekly stuff. And when they talk, they, they remind me of a quarterback. That's kind of soft. It's always protected by really good linemen. And then when, you know, when they get a pass rush, they like fall to the ground, you know, they can't stay in the pocket and they have a message that was clear. At least to me, it was clear early on. They want the fed funds rate to get to like five or five and a quarter percent, wherever they finally end and just stick it right there and just wait for the data to uh, uh, get better. And when we have better economic data, you have like professional troll people on the internet. It's, oh God, the Fed has to keep on rising rates. We have to, we have to go back. We, we don't want to make the 1970s mistake. That's, the, that's the, the, whole, the whole premise is we don't want entrenched inflation. Except this is not the 1970s. And that article I wrote, there's a lot of details on uh, trying to get people versed with what happened in the 70s with housing to what we are right now. And it also explains why mortgage rates aren't higher uh, 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 if we're talking about 1970s inflation, 8, 10, 12, 13% mortgage rates, much different backdrop. And if the Fed just stuck to their original plan and not get out of out of line, then the confusion will be less. And to me, mortgage rates in the 10-year look, look about right. Economic data got better. It wasn't just, just the jobs report in January. Uh, consumption is still uh, going through uh, service sector inf- and inflation data picked up a little bit. So where we are right now looks correct to me, but people get confused when the Fed comes on and says, well, we might have to go to 6% Fed funds rate. Just not the case. Oh, gosh. We certainly hope so. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. So in your forecast, you had forecast a range for the 10-year yield, which correlates to a range for mortgage rates. Where are we in that range right now? As of right now, we're at, I think, 3.97 on the 10-year yield. Uh, if the economy stayed firm, 3.21 to four and a quarter, we stay in that range. We go back and forth. The economic data got better. We couldn't break that line in the sand, the Gandalf line. We tried three times. And now we're going back higher. Data got better. Consumption is, is still there. Growth is still there. Manufacturing data, service manufacturing are picking up. So we're staying in that range which I understand some people thought mortgage rates or bond yields would just straight go down because there's some inflationary or there's some recessionary data. This is all true. I mean, even my 
my old six recession red flags were up as of August 5th. But until the labor market breaks, credit deteriorates, and consumption falls, you don't have a recession. It's never worked that way uh, post-World War II. So right now, we're just in that range and we're sticking in there. But over time, right? my thing is, think 12 months out. Over time, some of the biggest drivers of inflation slowly come down. And the core PCE data looks a lot different now than it did you know, back in 1975. So I think everything looks normal if you believe in what the Fed wants. But the Fed talks about entrenched inflation in the 1970s. We just don't really even have that kind of housing market like we did in the 70s where existing home sales are booming and then rent inflation takes off. And I think one thing that uh, I really tried to get across with uh, that, uh, that article is that we had the recession in 1974. And in 1974, rates went up and inflation went up. Multifamily construction uh, uh, was going solid there. And then it collapsed in the 1970s, right? We didn't get much growth. Much different story right now. So the growth rate of inflation on rents are falling currently. The CPI data lags like everything else. Then we have major supply coming on to the market. And then we have the Fed on top of that, making the net interest costs of households a little bit more, credit cards, those kind of things, auto loans. So all those things together where we are, it hopefully explains why mortgage rates aren't back to the 1970s, nor does the bond market ever believe that we were in the 1970s kind of uh, uh, interest inflation. Because if it did, if growth and wages and everything were about to take off, the 10-year yield would be north of five and a quarter. And uh, never been the case right now. So what is your range for mortgage rates to go? You, you talked about your 10-year range. What's your range for mortgage rates in your forecast? And do you think we're going to get above it? Seven and a quarter to 5.75%, assuming the spreads are already wide, which they are. Um, if the spreads get better, it's a different story. Beneficial for rates, not there. But that range is still stuck. And uh, as of this second right now, 6.97%. I think we got to 7.10 yesterday. So everything kind of looks in line. I think where I would have been wrong this year is if the 10-year yield broke underneath uh, 3.21% and the labor market was still solid and mortgage rates went lower. Uh, That is the bond market getting uh, ahead of the Fed, uh, uh, believing that the economy was, was about to break. When jobless claims break, the bond market will get ahead. But I think the confusion this week is, you know, Waller, oh, maybe we need to raise rates again. Maybe we need to raise the target or anything. The growth rate of inflation has already peaked, right? To get a reacceleration from these levels, um, you need a lot of other things to go against you. And that's kind of the history of, you know, inflationary periods. You, you see that top end levels. And after some time, the things that drive this the most are slowly falling down. It just takes a, a little bit of time. That's why I say think 12 months out and uh, things will be much different at that time. And at that time, again, if the economy is still firm, then the growth rate of inflation is falling. Remember, wage growth. The Fed really believes that people making more money, bad, 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 bad. Wage growth, way too bad, Right. So it, it becomes entrenched inflation, except wage growth is already cooling down already, right? So um, be mindful. We have a lot of noise. Think big picture. Think the bond market was always right. They never bought into the 70s inflation. So we're just working through the post-pandemic uh, um, settlement of all these uh, inflationary issues that is part of the history of global pandemics going back 
800 years. Not Nothing too deviant on that. And rent inflation is the big driver. That should slowly come down, right? The growth rate was so high, could not be kept at. You cannot get 15 to 20% rent increases year after year after year. It just it can't sustain itself, right? That was the whole premise on CNBC last, uh, last September. So I appreciate the whole like, look out 12 months and like, this is what's going. But we are in March. It is March 3rd. We are heading into the spring home buying season. So terrible timing, in my opinion, for the housing market, for those in real estate and mortgage, because like the last thing we need are rates in the 7%. Like, like that is going to just stall out this, this housing, you know, what we should see in the spring home buying season. Well, we saw what happened when we went from 7.37 to 5.99. We saw a balance for about 12 weeks, and then that all went away very fast. Um, and again, for me, it's it, the housing market is not designed to have rates go up and down like crazy, especially with the spreads being wide. So we're seeing people just pull back from either listing homes or wanting to buy. And that's, I mean, we've had this happen before where rates rise, housing demand slows. We saw that in 2013, 14. We saw that in 2018, 19. So nothing is too different right about now, but this one is the mother of all rate increases and it's just not finding any kind of stability. But with all the data that we have recently and that the economic data got better, some of the inflationary data got stronger, mortgage rates, this is kind of where it should be. The spreads are really wide. That's the thing. Uh, and until the... Until the uh, until we're more settled with lower rates or bond yields going lower with inflation going lower, or if which we don't want to see, we don't want to see bond yields going lower because jobless claims are rising. That's we, we need to get out of that mentality that a uh, 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 job loss recession is 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 our is the only thing here that could save housing. Um, we want to have people always working. We don't want recessions. But if the growth rate inflation is falling and wage growth is cooling down over time, it should get better. But this is this is the world we live in. It does not, they don't care about your feelings or anything like that. Inflation took off, wage growth took off, things are slowing, and we're dealing with the the timing of this is is not the best. But again, uh, nothing looks abnormal to me with the data that we have currently. I guess if you were a Fed pivot person and thought the recession started last January 2022. Then all this data doesn't make sense to you, but I'm I'm trying to guide people to what data lines are creating this. And you know, we tried to break underneath a key level; it didn't break, and it was correct, right? Uh, labor market's still okay. Uh, uh, retail consumption is still okay. Some of the manufacturing data is is picking up again. Um, in that context, uh, it looks right. So, you know, we're uh, doing this on Friday. Every weekend, you get the Altos data. So, Altos Research has, you know really the best data for what's happening in, in housing, uh, especially for inventory, right? Across the country. It's not fair giving me that kind of data. It's just <laughs> not fair. It's just You're like, like a kid in a candy, candy like, store. Like I, I, wait, I wake up Saturday morning and I'm th- I know people are waiting for me to tease out what's happening with inventory and I'm the only one that can do it. So it's just not fair. Nobody should have that much power. So what do you expect? So we're hoping, you know, we've we've seen inventory drop lower uh, for the last couple of weeks. And we're like, when are we going to see the bottom? When do people start listing their houses for the spring home buying season? Are we going to see it this week? So, 
usually we start to get closer to the zero line before we see the uh, uh, increase. So it, it would actually have to be a, a, a noticeable increase week to week. So I think there there might be one or two more weeks, but we're getting toward that bottom. And let, let, just for some uh, historical preference, uh, seasonal bottoms in March and April are extremely rare. Like it never happens that way on the weekly data. It's only happened post 2020. And there's some, we have some odd phenomenons, uh, late, late cycle or late seasonal demand increases that are pushing this out a little bit higher. The, the question for me now is with rates moving up as much as it did, does it have the similar impact with new listings data? Because new listings data the last week was like all time lows for that week. Right. So it's like, can can we get any worse than this? Um, and that's what that's the thing I'm keeping an eye on, because we saw what happened when mortgage rates got above six percent. Not a good thing uh, uh, for the new listings data. So now that we're above seven percent again, uh, does that impact people's thing? Because think, think of this as if you're a seller of a home and you're looking to buy another house. And you're thinking six percent. Okay, now it's seven percent. Oh, maybe I don't. I don't. What? What? What happens? What if I list my house? Somebody buys it, and it's eight percent. You just you're just not comfortable in this environment. And this is why, you know. I mean, when the spreads were wide, like the Federal Reserve didn't like the spreads were like one point eight zero percent, and that's when they thought, oh, we can't have that happen. It's like three two point seven five three percent. This is like historic on how wide the spreads are right now, uh, uh, and their thinking is that. The reason they got in the market so much is that they didn't want so much volatility. Now they're like, we don't care. Okay, so this is the byproduct of it. People stop doing what they normally doing because they're not comfortable. And uh, uh, you don't ever get to see this historically unless you have mortgage rates rise from 3 to 7%. But you could see these really sharp increases uh, impacting the data. Because mortgage rates are now above 7%, um, or at least have been, you know, in the, in the in the very short term. What do you think the stabilization point is now? So, for instance, say we went, we saw five point nine nine. Really, you know, we saw people interested there. The problem is it just didn't have duration. So, what would be the point that the inflection point with duration that would draw more people to to list their homes? So, I I want to remind people last year when rates started to fall from seven point three seven percent toward 5.9%, the internal data got better. So that's one thing that we have to uh, be, if rates start, if rates just come down a quarter to half a percent, does it have the similar impact? For me, you get to the fives, the low fives, and you stay there. Around there, you can create a base to work from. What occurred is that we didn't even need 5%, 5.99%. Now, of course, Rates are being pushed down by you know seller concessions and builders are paying down. So the headline rate is actually lower than 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 what the final lock rate is. But you know, getting some stabilization at six percent is a big deal, right? So again, the ten-year yield three and a half, three point four two around there. There's where you actually had some stabilization. We're, we're finally seeing it in the sales data. It just happened in November and December. It just filters itself thirty to ninety days later. So again, now you see the 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 hit to demand. It'll happen in the sales data a little bit later. So we're trying to get the weekly data to make sense to people, and it's just so wild, right? Uh, and then people get confused when the Fed says, "Well, maybe maybe we need to raise rates more." Just stick to the original plan and endure. You're going to have to be tough at some point. You can't move around because everyone's going, what's wrong? You know, 
stick to the original plan. It was it, you. What the Fed doesn't want to do is raise rates so much that they have to cut rates faster, right? Because it doesn't matter if the if the labor market breaks, the bond market is going to get ahead of them, and then people are going to say, "What's the Federal Reserve again? Old and slow, old and slow, right?" So you want to lose that stigma, but you're going to have to stick to the original plan and endure, right? And that means if data sometimes gets weaker, don't you don't need to cut right away. You know, let the labor market let your dual mandate come in 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 place at that time. But man, one strong data line here and there, everyone's like, oh wait, wait, we six percent, seven percent Fed funds and stuff. Your the yield curve is so inverted. It's this it's stick to the original plan. Endure Give it time. Let what happens after every global pandemic, the growth rate of inflation falls, and then hopefully that article that I wrote uh, on Friday, you could some some of you can understand what I'm talking about. For me, it's not the final answer that matters. It's the why. Once people understand the why, then they can see you know all the screaming heads out there. Things may might not be as 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 they have uh, talked about. I'm Diego Sanchez. Chief Operating Officer of HW Media. And I'm here today with Melinda Wilner, who is the Chief Operating Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Melinda, so good to chat with you today. Great to chat with you as well. Thanks for having me. So obviously the borrower needs to be front and center during the origination process. What other clients and partners should loan originators be thinking about, especially in a purchase market? Yeah, that's a great question. I think number one is the people involved in that actual transaction. It's their transaction too. The borrower is going to remember part and parcel, you know, the entire thing, whether it's the what the realtor did, what it was that the loan officer did. So uh, I say, you know, most importantly, the realtors that they're working with, making sure that that's a smooth transaction, whether it's somebody that they've already done business with and they'll continue to do business with, or maybe in a really great scenario, they can wow the other realtor who they don't do business with, and that's a future uh, source for them, or should anything happen with their referral partner as well. Um, But really, anybody who has access to people thinking about moving or doing anything with their mortgage is huge. Um, You know, financial planners have always been a great resource. Um, Divorce attorneys have always been a great great resource. And then, you know, the obvious ones like, you know, builders, I think um, a little bit harder for some people to conceptualize new builds and breaking into that community as well, but really important for loan officers to to be looking at at builders as well. And then again, you know, anything that really touches um, people in the community, anything that even remotely thinks of home buying. Melinda, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you again for having me. Appreciate it. So the jobs report, the the end of month jobs report got pushed to uh, next week or this week by the time this comes out because of, um, you know, the fact that February is a short month. But, you know, we're looking to that because that's a that's a huge data line for the Fed to dis- to decide what they're going to do. What do you think it's going to be? So we're going to see anything big? I want to remind everyone, if there was no COVID-19, right, we had a, a, over 152 million people working. And if we just took the trend job growth of 2020, we'd be about 159 million right now. If I reduce that trend growth 2020 to 150,000 jobs, uh, we're about almost to uh, 158 million. Okay, so the civilian labor force is 166 million. We have enough labor to get back to pre-COVID trends, so we're in makeup demand. 
I find it a little interesting that the Fed says on one point, we don't have enough labor and they have these big job reports. Because for those those who can't see you, you're making a hilarious face. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just like, okay, so the civilian labor force is enough to get labor back. So if you see a big jobs print, that means people were there until we get back to that pre-COVID trend. And once we, the closer we get back to that, I think job growth slows down more and more, but we're still in makeup mode. Right. And I I really had to explain this uh, on on Twitter. Um, I, I just don't think people are nerdy enough to look at all the data. Uh, so think of these big job reports and then think of what was the fed trying to say? There's not enough people working. Well, why do your job reports are still big? Okay. Cause we, the civilian labor force is still about 166 million and 158 to 159. The closer we get to those, then you start to see the job growth kind of, uh, slow down, but wage growth is already slowing down job openings data. You know, some of the other internal job openings data is already slowing down. You don't need to create a job loss recession to break inflation. This is not the 1970s. We're dealing with different stuff now. And that's my whole theme is that you're going to have to endure and make up jobs. Remember, I mean, look, I'm the guy that said jolts 10 million, job openings 10 million early on, right? But you have to give it time because it looks really suspicious now when you're talking about for 12 months, we don't have enough labor. And then- Wage growth is cooling, and we have still have big job numbers. Something went wrong with the Federal Reserve's mindset on that, right? Because then this means that you don't really need to create a job loss recession together. I know some of the Feds will say, listen, the history of fighting inflation is, is a job loss, but you could just endure at these levels and let time work itself out. If we, Unless we have another supply shock, another war incident or something like that, uh, 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 time is your best asset here, and you could keep your dual mandate intact by doing that. So, uh, and the bond market is already telling you it's not 1970s. If it did, mortgage rates would be higher, the 10 year yield would be higher than what it is, right? And those charts, right? Those are specific inflation 10 year charts and mortgage rates charts that I put in there in the 1970s. It's not happening, and we're already well into this. So, um, uh, it, it, it's a really good time in history to really look at people's models and how they look at things because you only get tested when you have such a crazy event like a global pandemic. Okay. So I asked you what you think jobs are going to do. And I don't know that I got a straight answer from you. Jobs should be continuing. I think the, the we're not going to, we're not going to have another 500,000 uh, jobs print. I think there's some seasonality issues with that, but still uh, job growth is healthy. Again, we're, we're still far from 158 million. That's kind of how my mindset is working. Until we get to like 158 to 159 million, you, you still have enough labor to get back to there. Um, so it's just taking a little bit more. Uh, I, I understand why some people are confused. They, the Fed says we have to raise rates because there's the 70-year-olds aren't coming back to work. <laughs> Part-time 70-year-olds. That was what you're counting on? Jeez. You know? Um but we do have enough labor. I think that's the one benefit of the United States of America. We do have a lot of young people. Uh, we don't have some of the structural issues that Japan or China or Europe have. So so just give it time because it. I, I understand it looks really bad to say for 12 months, <gasps> nobody wants to work. Inflation might take off. Wages might go out of hand because – and then all of a sudden, wow, these job numbers are really big. 
What's up with that? Come on now. Come wait, you gotta pick a side, right? Endure. Pick a side. Don't act like a soft quarterback. <gasps> Some of these might hit me. They're rushing the QB. I can't let my face get hit. Dive to the ground. Come on. You had a good game plan. Stick with it. That's what we need. I mean, when you said, you know, that rates could go up 8, 10, 12, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't even say that. Bite your tongue, Logan Motoshami. No, no, I'm saying that if we did have the 1970s inflation, we would have already been there. Right. That's my whole thing. My whole thing is that if if the 10-year yield doesn't break above five and a quarter percent early on, the bond market doesn't believe in the 70s inflation. And it did it, right? Uh, We had the dollar get stronger last year and, you know, uh, we had some uh, foreign selling of treasures, stuff like that. But I mean, still today... I, if I'm blind, then I'm just looking at all the inflationary data and it looks like it has peaked. And some of the biggest factors that are holding it up, this are actually going to look lower. So give it time. That's why October to October, right? 12 months, things should look better, but you can't freak out. Oh my God. Retail sales beat. Kill the economy. Kill the economy. What? Come on. This is why, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm really do believe that your elective officials, or you know, they can't freak out like this every time. Growth is not a bad thing. People making more money is not a bad thing, right? And it's just it's it's it, it is confusing for people who are told that there's nobody wants to work, and we we have to destroy the economy because nobody wants to work. And guess what? We have these big job numbers, so something is wrong there, right? Think about it in that light. Give it time. Let it, let us get back to the pre-COVID job trends. We'll get to 158, and then things get back to normal. What is normal? Population growth is slowing. You know, inflationary data should should go back to trend in, a, in an older society. If there's supply shocks, that's a different story. But uh, uh, we didn't change the entire world's economics out of then like that. It was a global pandemic. It was a war. There's these things disrupt a lot of uh, issues. Uh, Bird flu. Look at egg prices. Egg prices spiked up. Oh, the Fed's got to raise rates. No, no. The Fed can't control bird flu. Come on, people. I don't have any of those problems because I live in a semi-rural area, so I get free eggs. So I, you know, I've been left out of the whole egg egg inflation uh, story, thankfully. Lucky you, Sarah Wheeler. (laughs) (laughs) You sitting there in Irvine, California, there's no chickens around you, are there? You don't hear chickens. Hey, listen. We got a lot of chickens in America, right? So, <laughs> okay, I'll give so. you that. Okay, so for the for the remaining time, you and I need to fight about the uh, mortgage rate lockdown because <sighs> since no, 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 listen, since since you said that, you I feel like you make my point several times. I feel like you think podcast. you're making your point, but you're not. Because you're like, well, if rates can just get back down here, then people will feel like they can list their homes. And that so is- So that me means that the, there wasn't a mortgage rate lockdown. They couldn't afford the house, right? You just you just made- See, all of you people make my point for me. You don't even know it. Mortgage rates falling make housing affordable. The mortgage rate lockdown premise was that nobody will ever move because their rate is so low. Right. And that's the primary factor, except from 2011 to 2020, right before COVID, we had a three and a quarter, five percent range. So we've had people who had three and a quarter percent or three and a half percent mortgage rates buy a house at four and a quarter, four point five because they needed a bigger home. Right. So we've had people move and sell with the rate deviation always. It's just that 
Now people don't see, I'm not saying that people are going to rush to the market and, and sell. I'm not one of those crazy people on Twitter. And by the way, some of you Twitter trolls out there, dear Lord, it's like, it, I'm telling you, it's like part. housing has to explode and every realtor and mortgage person has to lose their jobs for these people to, to feel good. And you know who I'm talking about because I know you're listening. How bad is your life? Seriously, like 10 years, I've got to hear this. Like, how bad is it has to be, you know? Okay. Don't change the no, subject. No, I, I won't, okay? I won't, I, I won't. But going back to what you said, mortgage rates falling up and down, inventory has been slowly falling for years. So the mortgage rate lockdown premise came back when 2018. People said 5% rates, nobody will ever move again. Rates fell down. Inventory didn't move around anywhere. didn't have any growth right? People move for a reason, right? And affordability is more of an issue near because the total PITI costs, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance had a massive increase, right? If we didn't have that massive increase, if we grew in that, you know, uh, price growth model, things would look normal. It's just now homeowners are in really good shape anyway, before COVID, they even got in better shapes, uh, better shape in COVID, but they weren't moving as much. That's why I, I'm not, I don't want the mortgage rate long term because it's an unsophisticated. It's a one variable topic. It doesn't take, here's a good idea. Why don't we say home price lockdown, HOA lockdown, property tax lockdown, loan balance size lockdown, which is the biggest driver of what the actual uh, uh, principal interest. Why don't we use those terms, right? We like the way mortgage rate lockdown because it's simple. It's, it's a simple marketing tactic for people, but the total principal interest cost matters, right? And that explains 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, 22, 23. People have been living in their homes longer and longer. And when they need to move, they will move if they can afford to buy a house. But don't tell me, don't tell me that I'm not moving because I don't want to give up my 3%. Can you qualify for a house at 7%? No. Okay. No. So there are, so yes, there'll be people who couldn't qualify, but from my perspective, the difference between three and 7% is so big that this is a new, a new variable. So yes, in the past we've seen, oh, they moved down, you know, this much, nothing happened. We're talking a gigantic difference. Sarah, there are people listing their homes this week and selling them and buying another house. So why isn't, why doesn't the mortgage rate lockdown work for them? Because they are compelled and they're going to take, they're going to have to They're going to take what? They're going to take what? Take a hit on- on, Take a hit on what? They can afford the house. Nobody's taking a hit. If you can afford to buy, you buy. It's a total principle. It's a total PITI cost, right? The mortgage rate variable is just one of many things that go into the entire equation. We use it as a marketing tactic, but it doesn't explain what happened in the last eight years before COVID. Right when rates were at three and a quarter and moved to five, people moved. People said that would never happen. Home sales were much higher back then too. People, people move every year. It's just that the the historical changes uh, uh, of post twenty ten. Like here's a good example. Why did inventory increase from two thousand to two thousand five when the sales boom, massive sales boom, rates were higher? Right. How, why did people move? Because the credit channels were different. Credit were facilitating people to move because rates didn't matter. You could just, you know, uh, that's why inventory grew with sales. Now it's different. You have a 30-year fix. So that total PITI cost really matters because you have to qualify for it. And 
some people say, well, I, I really like my life. I'm, I'm comfortable. Well, if you had to move, Sarah Wheeler, if you had to move, guess what? The rate doesn't matter to you. You will sell that property and move. Isn't that right, Sarah Wheeler? It, it's right, except that here's what you're leaving out, Logan Motoshami, and that is because what we want is a healthy, balanced market where people, the only people moving, the only people listing their house aren't those who are forced or compelled by other reasons, but who just might want to. That, that would be this, better for the housing market. This has been here for 10 years. And even before rates came down to 3%, again, because we were here before, we were at three and a quarter before in the previous expand. We were, and people still moved because the total PITI costs made a move. If you're using a one variable equation, you're saying home sales will never rise, right? Because the nominal rate, not the total PITI cost, not the selling equity, right? So there's all these different variables that go into the equation. I am not going to reduce the conversation to a one variable because then I can't explain what happened in the last 10 years. Everyone else doesn't want to talk about that. But this has been going on for years because there's a huge discussion here. It's just too nerdy, right? <laughs> but I am willing to have it with any human being on planet Earth because- so What you're saying, if, Logan, is you're too nerdy for the rest of us. That is what you're saying. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just saying that. it's I question a, a premise when it's only one variable into equation that has multiple variables in it. And then we, and then it just, it's a really clever market. There's a reason why I hated the mortgage rate lockdown. And I opened myself to the whole possibility of it last, last year. Okay. So all the things I needed a mortgage rate, but I realized I I was wrong. I, I did. I made the same mistake everyone else made. I made it a one variable topic and it's not true because we had massive housing inflation, right? Home prices took off, which means home balances take off, right? But if you have selling equity, it's a different equation. See, all these things come together and I'm not going to make it a one trick pony because we all know okay. what happens with one trick ponies. <laughs> they well, get stuck. Okay. They get stuck. They can't do anything else. Okay. We are out of time for today. Thank you so much for diving in, especially in mortgage rates. This is so important as we're heading into the spring home buying season. So Logan Motoshami, thank you for being on this live edition. Pleasure to be here. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight. 